The tough times for the Toronto Maple Leafs continue. Leafs. But at the end of the show yesterday, I think, Sam, you threw out a quick prediction time. And I don't focus on you guys. I only focus on me. Oh, I, 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 well I said that they were going to lose. <laughs> Sam, what did you say? I don't even know if I made a prediction. I just laughed I at JB. I proclaimed they'd be the embarrassing sequence of winning last night and losing to Chicago tomorrow. Oh, you did not, did, did you? Yeah. I didn't really mean it. It's just the Leafs are always the worst case scenario. As team. if the Leafs are going in there tomorrow night after all this, boy. Well, of course they are. Carolina, as we saw last night, considered one of the better teams in the National Hockey League and one that we assume could even lift a Stanley Cup at the end of this season, and we wouldn't really truly have our surprise faces on. Certainly we know of someone who believes that. So it's kind of expected a a tad that they were going to lose last night. So should it have poured gasoline on an explosive fire in Leaf Nation losing to Carolina last night? I don't even know that it did. I think most people are, like, so beaten down. It was just another shot, just another punch on their numb face. But you know what? Someone does believe that they're they were playing a team on a different tier than them, and that being Sheldon Keith. Let's, uh, let's have a listen to what Keith had to say after the game. I mean, I can only speak for myself right now, I guess, and, and, and my, you know, my confidence you know, gets a boost in the group today for myself, frankly, just because of, again, I don't know if it shows up, you know, for where you guys are watching it from, but from Islava, like that game's played at a much higher pace. We got a real sense of, you know, what a Stanley Cup contending team looks and feels like. Um, and our guys had to deal with that all the way through. So I think we leave here a better team. And I think, you know, despite the score and, you know, it's 3-1, uh, I think there's a lot of good things that our team did here today both in what our team did, but also in the lessons we'll take away from here that, you know, I believe will make us a better team moving ahead. I'm I'm starting to feel for Sheldon Keefe a little bit. Are you really? Yeah, I am. Yeah. I am. Just this is too much? No, I don't. I, it's not too much, but I think, I think he's, he's reaching right now with that comment. Did you like, did you like those words? I, I, I hear them. JB, and I don't necessarily uh, disagree with where he's trying to go with those comments. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm just not sure uh, it'll work. Yeah. What What are the important, Sam, what are the thing? what did you hear from what Sheldon just said? Like, what does the Leafs fan brain hear from what he just said in that quote? That we're not as good as Carolina Hurricanes. Like, and- you're not on, you're not on pe- par with a cup contender. Yeah, and immediately it makes me upset as a Leaf fan because it's like, well, what have we been working towards for six seasons here? Haven't we we've been working towards being that? Right. Isn't this supposed to be an upward trajectory and, where all these guys are getting better? And he and, goes in the media and says, "That's what it looks like." I don't know. It just it just rubbed me and, the wrong way. And that's where Sam, super fan and all, is one hundred percent right on. Like those comments that I heard from him last night. Those are comments that you say when you get knocked out in the first round by Washington in 2017. So those comments aren't for the media and they're not for Sam and they're not for those people. 
Those are for the, co- the the boys in the dressing room. Then save them for the boys in the dressing room. I think it's like a lot of coaches who coach through the media now because these guys no. read and absorb everything, and it's not working saying it directly to Yeah, them. Well, I got news for you. It, it ain't working. Um, well, it ain't working. For the, the, the base. Period. The Leaf base. The yeah. fan base. Uh, the media. Like, those comments that you can say, hey, we're... We're we're leaving better for it. Like that could work in Florida, Anaheim, even Carolina. Right. But that's not working here. He is in Toronto. No, but like he people is are, a guy. People are they they know too much. They know too <laughs> They're much. They're too informed. He's a guy who speaks in hyperbole, though, in all or nothing. Do you remember him going into Dubas's office and talking about the Matthews comments? And he goes, that's a horrible effing narrative for this team. Talking about Matthews is saying we play yes. too safe. And he's saying, that's a horrible effing narrative. And it was like, relax. Like, that seems like hyperbole. This is Keith telling his team to me that we're not a cup contender. That's what a cup contender looks like. That, so for his guys to get it in your head, like, we're not even on that level right now. We're so far behind that. To me, that's a public rebuke of what they have been so far. I don't think he doesn't believe that they can be that. I don't think he believes that they don't have enough talent to be a cup contender. I think he's making a clear statement that we're just, you know, we have to find a gear to get on, on the level of the teams who have a legitimate shot. You know, uh, Ryan Whitney in the Spittin' uh, Chicklets podcast. Yes. Did you happen to hear his quotes about the Leafs today? No. So he didn't say it. He said expressly what I think Keith hasn't said. Do we do have that, Sammy? No. Not at the moment. All right. It's basically him just saying the Leafs have zero chance to win the cup. And that's what Keith is saying to his group. He said they have zero. No chance for no matter how this develops, playing like this with this team. Yeah. I think that's what Keith is telling his team. But, but he is trying to add a spin of positivity and i think a thin veneer it's it's trying to maybe even calm the waters down mm-hmm. but it's it's i don't think it's going to work here and we watched the leafs last night your biggest threat austin matthew matthew scores in the first 5 minutes nice rap well nice rap for austin yeah, Fred, horrible Freddy. for Freddie. Freddie's stick position. Freddie's stick position. Like, he still had it open on the far. Do you think he said, "said I'll give you one"? I, I don't care. Five and zero. Oh. Okay, I'm I'm going a little off topic though. I don't There's care no five. Topic. I don't care five and zero oh and one of the best starts. Uh, yada yada yada. I still see. I didn't see great Freddie last night. No, I didn't. Well, you and I in our group but, chat, like the Canes but, weren't but, great last night. But the, but the wraparound. Not NHL wraparound. It's you knew he was coming, right? It's like it's not a surprise. How, how do you how do you get beat on that wraparound? But that's that's a another topic here. But last night it was a winnable game. Carolina was not great. They weren't they weren't as sharp as they can. No, they missed on a lot of lot of like breakaways and odd man rushes. They missed the net. They get you know a couple of. So in the past we'd see an Austin Matthews goal off the top like last night. And that would automatically now put your opponents on their heels. Now they got to open up and take chances. Now and, you can and get them. And there would have been just this, this wave and the movement of here we come. This is just the start. And 
there was no signs of that at all. To me, it started on the back end last night. Like, who was any good on the back end? TJ Brody, that was his worst game of the season. I mean, I thought he was really bad. Rasmus Sandin, oh my lordy. So, like, if well, it's, it's a broken, should we talk about the play? It's a, it's a broken record uh, with Sandin because we know he's world-class one way. And but he's not dumb defensively at all. Like he, he thinks just, it well defensively. Uh, no, uh, no, I don't. I don't, don't, I don't so? agree. I don't agree. I think uh, uh, that play alone, which kind of looked a little bit about uh, what we saw in Montreal in the Post- in the first round, yeah. where he just he has trouble defending, and you you cannot lose a one on one battle when a guy spins three sixty. Well, if, if you're not bigger and stronger, then you have to be faster. And if you're not bigger and stronger and you're not faster, huh, I'm not sure you can do it. I, I Listen, I'm a believer in Sandine. I like his game, and I think he'll get smarter about his, his roots. Like there, you want to see him take a more direct route to the net and try to edge the guy out. But right now, his physical, he's physically, it's tough to defend when you're his size and don't skate above average. He probably skates at league average. So tough combo when you're young See, and experienced. If if I'm Kyle Dubas or or Brendan Shanahan right now, I'd go out and hire Scott Stevens. You make Rasmus Sandin Scott Stevens? No, but that guy knows how to defend. Yeah, and he knows how to teach defense. He'll never be Scott Stevens. There's no. nobody that's ever going to be Scott Stevens. But Scott Stevens isn't going to come to any team and and teach you my mentality right but i can teach you positioning and i can teach you how to be in the right place at the right time i i think that's eluded the leafs for a long time a type of guy like that and i, I think they brought in dean chenouf chenouf yeah chenouf yeah but no no, Scott Stevens. Maybe we can get some texts on who the best small defenseman is. Because I would like, there are good small defensemen who defend well. Or, well, you, you know, there it exists. I, I don't know who you want him to model his game after. But listen, if he's bad and TJ Brody's that bad, Jake Muzzin didn't find it last night. Like, at some point, you know what's killing me, and I cannot wait to talk to Mike Kelly today, is looking at the Leafs' analytics is killing me. Because... I don't understand how this is the number one team in possessions, slot shots, oh, chances, all this garbage. You guys garbage. are really going to do this to me. Eh? You're gonna bring, we're going to have to talk about it because at some point we're measuring it wrong. Because Mike Kelly is coming on. He's a hockey analyze, uh, analyst specializing in analytics for the NHL Network and sports logic. And he's going to come and tell us that the numbers are still really good. And then I'm going to have to laugh at him. I think he's got to be prepared. I think he will be prepared. Right now, they're number one in the NHL in expected goals for thirtieth. The, the reason I asked Mike Kelly to come on today is because we need some context for this. Like, I, help me understand what's going on. I don't understand. I, I don't understand what's going on. And I actually had, I was actually you can mention Kyle Dubas there, and I was thinking about this in the shower this morning. A little shower thought. <laughs> okay. A little bit too much information. Yeah. Well, at least I clean myself before easily I came in. Tell me yeah. over cereal, nah, a coffee. This is how you know it's a deep thought. I don't want to think so. You know, we're all people have been pretty hard on Kyle Dubas and, you know, myself included, and a lot of people have been talking about it. But how do you think Kyle Dubas feels right now? How do you think, how mad do you think he is in this core that he's stood behind and he's, you know, doubled and tripled and quadrupled down on 
And how, like, do you think that there's any wavering from him? Do you yeah. think in his heart of hearts he truly believes that this is going to get it done? Like or is he, is he all, like, always, oh, sorry, you know, all guns ahead here? I, I, I don't see him pulling a 180. Oh, on, he is on, way too deep in on, on, for any uh, turnaround. On turning around and, yeah. and playing bad cop right now. He's been the good cop right from the get-go. Yeah. But... Bad comp in him now? No, I don't see it. The thing for Dubas looking at to Sam's point is he must be looking at this core like, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, also shame on you. Fool me 368 times still. Like, at some point, look at yourself and be like, boy, I'm mad the boys are burning. Like, I'm here. sure the phone rang about Marner this year, you know, like this offseason. I'm sure there was people inquiring, and he, like he said, he came out in the media. He was he was very nice to him before game seven, like we saw in All or Nothing. Like, he is stood behind him, and yeah, he get gets no one point in seven Does games. Does Mitch Marner know? get to a point per game this year, do you think? 82 games? Yeah. Right now he's got one point in seven yeah, games? Yeah, he, he I don't 82? think it'd be a stretch for him to to have a good game, three or four points, kind of put him back on. They, 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 they still have that ability. They got Chicago and Detroit coming up. Yeah. He might be at a point per game. Well, I, I shouldn't it, we'll see. He's we'll see. Be. Here's one interesting uh, thought that uh, someone uh, I spoke to today. Brendan Shanahan signed like a six-year deal, I think, two or three years ago. So he's he's got a long-term deal. Uh, Sheldon Keefe, as we found out, what towards the latter part of summer had signed an extension. So he's got this year for plus two, two years, more. plus two more. Somebody had mentioned to me that Kyle Dubas this year was looking for Is his extension. Ooh, that would be juicy. We got to dig that up. Right? Yeah. So that's an interesting thing. Now, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Sam. Maybe you would know, but there was never any formal announcement for Sheldon Keefe's extension. That's a great question. Did, did it leak out? Or was no, it... I think there was something like a tweet or something like yeah yeah gonna... I think it was just people reporting on it I don't know if I ever saw an actual release or whatnot but that's a good question yeah some sort of uh, yeah I I, no, I don't my, think they my... want to make a big deal they're just like yeah yeah he's back okay don't worry about it don't talk why about it. why didn't they want to make a big deal of it I don't think there's anything to celebrate yet you know so you're not saying like hey mac and cheese for dinner for the 16th straight time you don't so... celebrate that it's just so, what, you, what you're having. All right. So we'll only make announcements when we really celebrate. <laughs> so he, he comes off one of the toughest first round losses. And to your point, you don't want to make a big deal of it because people will question, why are you giving a guy an extension when you just lost a really bad series? I think they're going well. Tavares was hurt. Things were going good there. So how, you know, how, how how does Kyle now go and try and negotiate a an extension? You know, he may have signed a 20-year extension. We'll never know because the Leafs aren't going to be like, he's staying and expecting like the uh, how, celebration how, emojis. How, how would that go over right now if you heard if you heard Kyle Dubas had an extension? How do you think that would go over right oh, now? Oh, man, I, I would not want to be the, the, the people putting that tweet out. The replies would be interesting. interesting. All right, let's bring in Jim Ralph, one of my favorites, Leaf Radio Color man, along with Joe Bowen. Ralphie, help us sort this all out. Can we talk about the Blue Jays, Kevin? <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's the AAV on Rob Ray coming up? <laughs> Mark, 
to Simeon. Let's get let's get him done first. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, Ralph, in all your experience in this market, uh, six, seven games in, come on, a little overreaction or uh, legitimate concerns? Uh, can we talk on Thursday? Is that yeah, that Chicago yeah. game's as big as it, it seems, right? Yeah, it is. And and here and here's the thing. I mean, now you've got more guys on, on the COVID list that aren't going to play. The Hawks haven't won. And if you look at this this core, this Leaf team, they have been on the wrong end of really nice stories for other teams. And and that you know that the David Ayers thing, I guess, gets brought up again last night. Uh, but then even you know Ottawa coming back from a five-one deficit, the last place Senators. Uh, you know, Montreal coming back in the playoffs. Vancouver misses a month with COVID. Their guys come back not healthy, but they beat the Leafs not once but twice. And it's um, uh, some killer instinct that I think we've seen over the last couple of years that, that doesn't seem to be there. And uh, to be able to take advantage of uh, maybe putting your your foot on somebody's throat when they're down. So uh, I think it is a huge game. You know, and you wouldn't want to see Chicago somehow or Mark, Mark Andre Fleury makes 60 saves. Uh, the Leafs lose three. I mean, this game's got, to me, it's got overtime written all over it. I and, feel like you just jinxed them. <laughs> yeah. yeah <I'm> not, <laughs> no, I didn't, no, I didn't say that. Uh, like somebody is, uh, to me, it's a game where both teams are struggling and, and it'll go to overtime. Somebody will continue in the last column. Uh, and then somebody will pick up a win with extra time, but I think uh, that's what you want to see. You want to you want to see this. You want to see a little bit of anger. You know, that, well, let's go out and <laughs> dominate this team, and let's not have another Our, night like we had in Pittsburgh. You know, Muzzin mentioned that uh, the, at the beginning of the season that some of the guys did come in with anger, but I, I don't think we've seen it, have we? Well, if if. If, if it is anger, it's taken away from their speed. And I think that's one of the things that's the most perplexing about this is whenever you heard other coaches talking about the Leafs, they, said, they would always say they're fast. You've really got to watch they're fast. And, and they don't look like a fast team. Uh, you know, they gave up, what, four or five odd man rushes last night. And I think Kerfoot, Marner, shorthanded was the only odd man rush they had for. And and I think that's what's, what's sort of mind-boggling is where's the speed that that first pass out of the zone never seems to be on somebody's tape. Um, you know, that they create very little off the rush and, um, you know, they've never been a great team scoring the ugly goals on rebounds and redirections. Um, but that other element has, has just disappeared to this point. Uh, you'd like to think that you get a couple of good games in and they get their swagger back, but, um, you know, it, it started with an average start where you're hoping you know, hang in until you get Matthews back, and instead it's gotten worse instead of better. Ralphie, I don't know if you were digging through the advanced analytics to, about that rush chances thing, but that was, that is the one thing. They're, they're like a very good chance team. They get no rush chances. This team has no speed, no breakout through the neutral zone. That's a place they, they totally struggle, which brings me to my question about Mitch Marner, who seems to be at the root of what's gone on here. You've obviously watched every minute of every game so far and watched him closely now for years. Does he look different? Is he just wildly unlucky or is there something noticeably different in his performance that's impacting his output? 
well, I know a lot of people may not agree with it. I, I thought he was pretty good last night. You know, he, he drew a penalty off the rush where he came over the line with some speed, stopped and, and got the tripping call. And then, uh, as I said, uh, he and Kerfoot took off in the two-on-one rush. So, um, you know, I, I think he's coming. But, um, you know, you've got to find John Tavares has got to find some open ice if they're going to stay together uh, as a unit. So if, uh, I think he'll be all right. But, you know, you, you hope he can get two or three points in Chicago tomorrow night. Uh, and, and come back home because I think the thing that you worry about is, you know, they're talking, I know Matthews had said that it's good to get to the United States after, um, you know, when, once they went to Pittsburgh and it sort of sounded like we we, we just want to get out of town. Uh, you don't want to go into the game Saturday against Detroit in front of that fan base, uh, having lost to Chicago uh, as well on Wednesday night. And, and that's my fear for them is if, uh, the crowd starts to turn on them in October. Um, I'm not saying we're going to get another salute gate out of it or anything like that, but it's, um, it, it could really set up a, a very trying, you know, sort of toxic period for them. So funny for me that it's a constant with Marner, uh, you know, whether it's Justin or Leaf Media, man, they just they go to Marner first. It's just a natural reaction. How do you not? I okay. How do you not? But He's the most, the biggest un- underperforming player, contract-wise and output. Ra- Ralphie, help me out here. They're leaking oil everywhere. Okay, Muzzin, uh, Hall, Richie at two point five for two years, and Tavares gets a free ride here at his eleven million bucks. It's I'll hear not, that. Okay, I'll hear that argument. I, I don't. I don't get it. I mean, const. I know he's ten nine. But, man, there's some issues going around this hockey club well past Marner. Yeah, and it's funny because it's it's not like a guy that you ever just look at and say he's floating. You know, like like sometimes it's just not working. He doesn't seem to have it. I mean, I, I think the one thing that I've noticed this year is he, he looks, you know, instead of using his speed, and I'm, I'm not going to make a, a direct comparison between Marner and Connor McDavid, but what makes the elite players so elite is what they can do at full speed. You know, a lot of guys might be able to skate with them. A lot of guys might have the hands, but to be able to put it all together, a very few players in the league can do what, what the likes of Marner McDavid do because they can burn you at full speed. And to me, Marner looks like more like a quarterback dropping back into the pocket where he's not really moving. He's just, he's looking and hoping something opens up. So mm-hmm. I'm, that's why I thought there was uh, there was some improvement in that last night where it seemed like he got the puck and, um, you know, he actually had guys chasing him and, and was able to make some plays out of it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I agree with you, Kip. For, for whatever reason, um, you know, he's the one taking the beating. And yet uh, you go top to bottom other than the goaltending you know, save for the game in, uh, in Pittsburgh Saturday, which was a lot about bounces. Um, you know, there's there's problems up and down the lineup. In fact, I think the bottom the bottom six have outscored the top six seven to six so Oof. far in the season, and then I think that's a pretty scary stat too. So, in my text messages uh, about the Leafs, I get a lot of c words. I get coaching as an issue. I get culture <laughs> as an issue. I get. Um, character, competitiveness, all these words about this team. Is it something like that, some big high-picture thing, or is there not enough talent on the roster to win enough hockey games? 
Uh, well, I'm glad you left the other four or five words out. <laughs> for you. Well, it's, it I, is I a clean-rated show. It's clean I was nervous. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, uh, I mean, it, you know, they, they might all of a sudden find it and win five or six in a row and, and everything will be fine and they'll get their swagger back. I think one of the things that um, I don't want to say bothered me, but I found curious and, and Sheldon Keith's, um uh, post-game press conference last night, he talked about how they were able to stay with Carolina and Carolina is a contender and, uh, you know, they stuck to their set. And I remember thinking, shouldn't Carolina be saying that about you? Mm-hmm. You know, it should like it was as if uh, an acknowledgement that we're not at that level, and you know, as we're getting into what uh, hopefully year six of postseason, uh, they should be getting better. And uh, so I, I just thought it was, uh, you know, I, I guess after the Pittsburgh game, you don't want to be that hard on them in the in the post game and, and go after guys and hang them out to dry. But I just thought, I thought it was a little odd that. Um, it, it seemed like Carolina, from a lease standpoint, was put on a pedestal saying we're not as good as them. And Carolina has what won four playoff series in three years. Ralph, so it's, it's not exactly they're, they're going for their yeah. third straight cup. Ralphie, I want you to put your goaltending hat on. Uh, and I want to just uh, start off by saying uh, that old Mike Tyson uh, line that uh, everybody's got a plan until you're punched in the nose and it just seemed that's what has happened to the Toronto Maple Leafs in their goaltending situation with Peter Morazic going down early and now the weight on Jack Campbell's shoulders I didn't really like two goals last night uh, Lorenz Spinarama where that puck just dribbled five hole on him or the Nita Ryder uh, coming around the, uh, the the goal line. Didn't like that one either. Yeah, but you know what, Kip? If, if you look at the Niederreiter one, if, if you slow it down, it goes off Muzzin's stick. Okay. All right. Yeah. Another and, one. Then, and, then, and then slips through him. And I, I agree with you in the one-on-one, but yeah. the, uh, again, your defenseman gets beat and pushed out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, uh, but, I, but I also think that if it wasn't for Campbell, I mean, here the, the Leafs, they're down 3-1 going into the third, so this is their period to push, and they get outshot 15-9. to nine. Yeah, I, 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 yeah. Buy, I buy everything you're saying so far, uh, which brings me to what the point I was going to try to make here is how, <laughs> how careful do you have to be with Jack Campbell moving forward here? Because if you by chance lose this guy, there's a really good chance you could lose the season. Uh, yeah, I agree. And, and you know, with uh, with all due respect to Michael Hutchinson, if he's average on Friday night against San Jose, I think they win that game. And maybe if you win that game, not, you know, nothing, none of this matters. Maybe they, they get a point or two out of the next two against Pittsburgh or, or Carolina and, and nobody's panicking. Uh, but you're right. If um, I think he's that important to them. And and let's face it, I mean there was still you know with the, the Carolina missed the net a couple of times on on odd man rushes, uh, but Campbell still made I'm going to say five or six really difficult saves uh, that kept it from being another Pittsburgh game from Saturday night. So 
What's up with the power play, Ralphie? Like, we're trying to make... I know, like, I feel like it's like your Reg Dunlop here. And we like, don't pay you enough, Ralphie, for this answer. <laughs> yeah. But just, like, it, when you're watching this, power play two gets out there and they zip it around and look like an NHL team. Oh, they're so stiff and rigid on the first unit, I can't make any sense of it. Are you seeing anything that, that needs to be fixed? All of it, I guess? I, to me, the, the guy that quarterbacks the second unit is Jason Spencer. Yeah. And and I wouldn't mind seeing him in the first unit. You know, I think the you know the mentality coming in was the the, the sort of do a lot of teams are doing it, but Tampa's the best at it. Where uh, I mean, they're lucky they've got the three one timers. You've got Hedman, Kucherov, and Stamkos. So you've got that devil's triangle at the top. The guys can hammer it, and you've got points in the middle of the slot for that little bumper play. But the big difference, and at least I've tried this with Marner. Uh, being the guy in the middle. But they've got nobody in front. Tavares sort of slides to the side looking for that backdoor play so that it, it's uh, they don't execute it the way Tampa does. Tampa's got Kalorn standing on top of the crease, the whole power play. So to me, if you know, as long as you've got everybody spread out, uh, they talk about shooting the puck more, it doesn't matter if, if there's nobody in front of the net. Mm-hmm. You know, screening the goaltender, looking for a rebound. Even, you know, the goal Oppo scored last night on, on Campbell. He goes to the front of the net for the redirection. And, um, you know, I, I think it was even made in the, in the special, uh, the Amazon Prime special, where the Leafs were saying, I think Sheldon Keefe said, we're last in the league in scoring on rebounds. And and I think that, that goes right to the power play. That, uh, like Pat Quinn used to call it, we're trying to pass the puck into the net. And I think that's what they get guilty of doing. And uh, all you see now is teams just challenge them on the outside. Uh, you know, they're not, they're not even getting them time to set up. And I think that was uh, the thing last night. I think they're up one nothing in the first period. and uh, Or maybe it's early in the second. And um, Pesci takes a penalty and you think, okay, here's an opportunity. You go up 2 nothing. You can take full control of the game. And instead, the power play is horrible, and Carolina seemed to get energy from it and come back and score three. Did they not uh, today? Did they uh, practice with a different power play on the uh, the first unit? Is Marner been? Is he? Did he slide uh, down? Sure. Yeah, they, they like, put no, they like, put Marner on the road. We're not on the road, eh? Yeah. Go ahead. Like, like we're calling road games off a monitor, so I wasn't at. Practice. Oh no, 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 no! This was for this was for Super uh, Fan Sammy, our producer. Uh, oh. Ralphie, what's what's the call, Sammy, on the power play? Well, today? they put they put um, Nylander in the bumper spot and want to and Marner out on the flank, so they're trying to you know they're trying to there, put lipstick on the pig at the moment. The was there anybody in front of the net, Sammy? I didn't look. I wasn't there either. <laughs> I'm on the road, Ralphie. <laughs> hey, Ralphie, we, we'd go there for seven fifty a year, wouldn't we? Well, you got, didn't you get three in the American League one year? I one did game. off of you. I scored my only <laughs> professional hat trick on Jim Ralph. Oh, no what a yes. stat. Didn't know that? Hey, in, in fairness, that was one of the worst periods I ever had. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the third one I thought was icing. <laughs> I think by the third one, you were already showered in at Spanky's. <laughs> I, know, I used, to, used to say that about Brett Hall, that he's in the minors. He scored his 40th, 45th, and 50th on me, but 
I got pulled out for the second period. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you want to keep going till the the show's over? I I, I could just listen to you uh, for the rest of the show if you go into your shtick. Well, no, I got uh, I to pour through these analytics from last night. So. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, we can't afford your fee. Well, Hey, I'm glad. I'm glad Barney said I was right that they didn't have on man rushes. <laughs> hey, Ralphie, appreciate your time, pal. Yeah, thanks Thank a you lot. for any time. All thanks right. for having me on, guys. Leaf color commentator on our radio Leaf games, Jim Ralph. You know what he brought to mind is uh, when Nylander would play the flank like three years ago. Zach Hyman would stand in front of the net, and we did this the the Marlies too, where Hyman would stand in front of the net in front of the goalies like glove essentially. And Nylander would shoot it at his chest, and Hyman would just know that as the release happened to sort of take a sidestep. Uh, you know, a screened goaltender. What a concept. So you mentioned Hyman there, and I've been... You're dying, eh? No, I, I listen, we, we, did, we did the whole St. Hyman thing about that texter saying that, you know... But... <sighs> they missing Spit him. Spit it out, Sammy. Spit they it him. out. They missing him. Like, the top line, they had Matthews and Marner together generating nothing with Richie. You know, they had they generated a lot with Hyman. Yes. How much are they missing him? Yeah. The easy answer is yes. <laughs> oh, so Sammy, much. they miss him. They miss 17 minutes a night on 19. average. 19. Real minutes. Not like BS minutes where you're just hanging on for a lot of shifts. Most of them were... Really effective shifts. Yeah. They miss them, and they're searching. And, again, I like bunting, but let's not make him out to be a guy that can now step in and play 17 and a half minutes. There was twice last night where he was dogged in pursuit of a puck, and all I could think of was, and this this goes to Sammy's point, is Hyman comes up with that. Like, just he's not able to stop the guy yes. physically. He's not able to pull it out of the pile the same. He's just not strong enough. You know, Zach Hyman's a beast. A horse. Yeah. So anyway, and people know. Like, I'm watching Jordan Stahl last night, and I see a horse. And on the Leafs, I see ponies. What do you think of Kasha? Do you think he's got any of that grit and grind in him? I would have loved in my career to play against a guy like Kasha. <laughs> oh, that's, that's, not, all like, that's not a that's, compliment. That's just, uh, you know, and there's a few of them out there. And that I don't know if you remember those first two couple of games with the Leafs, and it's like I just don't see a style of play right now I'm overly comfortable with. And now we are going into, what, eighth game? Of the season. This about Kasha. He's a guy who's been hurt throughout his career. He is not exceptional at getting out of the way of large men skating at him. He gets plowed once a night where I'm go- I go, this is it. This is the time. And then he pops up. So we'll see how long that lasts for. I think just, I, th- I think the, vision the Leafs, something. Sammy, have been a team over the last few years that have liked to outscore their mistakes. We've heard that term oh, yeah. before. But now they're not. The point he made about them being slow resonated with me in a big way. I agree. That's what the biggest takeaway I had from Ralphie. And Ralphie, I mean, I've talked a million times with him down at the game. games. He knows the game in and out. And him talking about the speed really resonated with me. Like, that's what it used to be 
with the when they like when they first started this sort of iteration of the Leafs, you know, with the Kapanens and the Janssens and the guys in the lower half of the lineup that they, they were fast. They didn't they, they, they didn't they, score a lot, but they were fast and they mm-hmm. gave a different element and a different look. Now it just seems like everybody in the bottom six is skating at the same Simmons pace. Simmons and Richie and yeah. Kampf and Kasha the, and Tavares and Marner and like not burners. There was stretches a few years ago where you said that's the fastest team in the league. Do you remember? Mm-hmm. Oh, a hundred percent. Like that was not they a stretch might lose at all. Six five when they were like that, but they were gonna go. But they were on fire, yeah, with their speed. But then they went in a different way, and then they brought in the Marlows and the Thorntons and the Spezzas, and yeah, that fourth line of Spezza, Rich, Richie, uh, Sim, Simmons right now is not not burners. I mean, they're not. They're they're not high on the priority list of what to fix right now, but... Uh, well, listen, if I can't go at Marner and I can't go at the fourth line, who can I got? What is left? <laughs> the, the, just look, talking about the older versions of the Leafs versus this version of the Leafs, I look at the standings, right? And the thing that scares me the most is the goal differential, looking at minus 10. In the goal differential. When was the last time this Leafs team was minus 10 in that That, category? That is just something that you always look at the standings at the Leafs, and it's always green. You know, it's always plus something. It's always plus a lot. And having them be through, what, seven games now and having it be dash 10, that's a scary trend for the Leafs. It really is. I totally agree. We saw Mitch Marner take a stick to the mouth. Did you see those chompers? Yeah. They were a mess. I've had that same tooth break, and your IQ goes down about 50 points the second it happens. You just look dumber. Like, not yeah. saying Marner, it happened to I me, don't, too. I it's... don't care how you look. It's it's how it feels. I had uh, I had yeah. one stick break five of my bottom teeth. Oh, man. Five dangling roots. No way. Yeah. Oh. The next day, I was in the dentist chair for, like, eight hours. That is pure misery. Eight hours. And I don't know where, where Mitch is. Uh, today, if he's in a dentist chair or not coming off of that. You got but, all fake teeth then down there? Yeah, all the bottom ones are uh, posts. Yeah. Uh, not to mention the oh, stick those. went right through my bottom lip. I had like 300 micro stitches. <laughs> sew the thing up. Like You look great. The, the, the doctor's like putting his utensil right through my lip and calling colleagues over to take a look at this. Oh, yeah. this is you know, I got a puck horrible. to the face. My face is all rebuilt. I was in, <laughs> my jaw was in two pieces, 10 screws over so, here. I'm a mess. I'm just throwing this out there that the worst case scenario for me would be that would, it wouldn't be the worst case scenario if by chance Marner misses tomorrow night. With a chipped tooth? Uh, whatever. Yeah. Maybe, maybe he's okay. got root canal going on. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. But I'm just to throw a little bit of the energy off. If by chance he did not play Wednesday and got ready to play on Saturday, not the worst thing for that lineup. Oh, I couldn't agree more. Not, oh, it, just it would to, be great, but you can't sit to, him, right? No, you're not going to sit him. And if he wants to play, he can play. But if it just even changed a little bit of, of the energy, give him a break too. That, that guy, to me, he needs a mental break. And I'm not saying that that includes missing a game per se. I'm just saying if that's how it it looks, give give the guy a a break here. He just he just looks like he just needs a, a yeah. mental break. And it goes back to what I said before, is that there's just not a lot of joy out of that guy right now. And he has to find he he has to love coming to the rink right now. And maybe for the first time in his career, 
that might be missing. You know, when things are going wrong, sometimes you just have to do something different and missing a game, watching a game, whatever it may be. I'm, I agree with you. And, and, you and here, here, out, here's but. the best part is there's not a guy in that lineup that thinks that they're a better team with him out of the lineup than with. No. So maybe it would put them on their toes even much more to say, you don't have, you guys take for granted how good this guy is. Yep. You do. You take advantage of it and you just, you know, he, he makes, if Kerfoot finishes that two on one play last night, it might be a different ball game. And it's, I didn't like Kerfoot's reaction to that miss. He shook his head for the next 30 minutes. He was bury it. Mitch just made an unbelievable pass to you. Bury the thing. Even, if, even Mitch was like, he, the, the body language after that was just frustration through and through. But, but take him out of the lineup and maybe you, you get a sense of you're, you're not a better team without him. And yeah. maybe it's even a good message to a lot of the naysayers out there. Because I think to, to Jim Ralph's point, he, he still does great things out there. You can oh, just, yeah. you can dump all you want about him and his 10.9, but he still makes some good plays out he there. He has set up so many players to finish goals, and he's just going, guys, help me out here. What if they, but then they're playing the Blackhawks, they win six call without him, then everybody gets fired up. Oh, man, that's a good point. But but then you, you get the, you, then you, they you, win you, six call, so think, they you, take it. You, you think that's something that Sheldon and Kyle could like to deal with? <laughs> oh, yeah, no, we won six nothing. <laughs> like, what take the worst thing? Take, take the six nothing, and I'll, I'll gladly deal with people thinking that we're a better team without Marner. Here's how you fix that, people thinking that. You say, uh, we're not. Six cop. Hey, boys, two wounded animals playing tomorrow night. How do both teams lose tomorrow? I cannot wait to it, find out. Honestly, could there be a bigger S show of two teams facing off right now? Like, I just can't believe. I don't think there there could be in the league. Like, if you the were way to the Leafs, too. Yeah, the way that, like, and all this horrible stuff with the Blackhawks surrounding them. Boy, that, that good luck. Good luck going in there. All right, we'll take a break and get uh, Mike Kelly to come and tell us uh, after the break how everything's hunky-dory in Leafland <laughs> because that's what the numbers say. Can't wait for it. You're listening to Real Kipper and Born. Justin, I think you should introduce Mike Kelly. Do we have Mike? I think we're working on it. All right, we're we're calling him. All right. Now he's... Is he really going to come on our show and start talking about... uh, how good the Leafs are? <laughs> I'm going to hand this off to you, Kipper. Do you have a question? No, it seems no, like you have no, something you no, want to no. ask. I didn't know Mike really that well. I, I enjoyed having him on last week. Yeah, it, was, it, it went it was, well. Yeah, it went well. I, I had lots of fun with him. Well, let me start by saying, Mike, welcome to the show. How are you today? Guys, I'm doing great. I, I don't know what the big hullabaloo is over here. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, I built you up, buddy. I'm building you up. I told everybody in Leaf Nation that according to your data, they should be first overall. Oh, yeah. Uh, So here's what I love, right? And I'm sure this is all stemming from the tweet that I sent out last night. I'm going to read it verbatim just so no one's confused here. Reminder for the nervous Maple Leaf fans out there, your team leads the league in scoring chances, slot shots, cycle chances, rebound chances. They won't be averaging two goals per game for long. All I said was (laughs) I don't think this team is going to be averaging two goals a game 
for long. Now, jokes on me, they scored one. They average less than that right now. But all I'm saying is offensively, they will score more than two goals a game before long. I can't imagine people actually disagree with that. But then it gets, you know, construed into, yes, the Leafs are the greatest team ever. Nothing's wrong and everything's good. Yeah, you heard it here first. Mike Kelly thinks the Leafs rule. No, it's I, I understand. I understand. But <laughs> but I will say, I am getting very frustrated uh, because I am a longtime follower and believer in all these different forms of data in the contrast between their expected goals, where they are mm-hmm. first in the NHL, and their real goals, where I believe they're 30th. Have mm-hmm. you ever seen such a disparity? And is there something I'm missing in reading through the statistics that should point to them being a not great offensive team despite that? We've watched the team for the last several years. Are they a great offensive team? I would say yes. No? Yeah. Yeah, they of are. Of course they are. Okay. We're two weeks into the season. And what I love is that you always see, now this is an extreme example, but you always see uh, differences in terms of the process and the results because it's early. And so you've got the Maple Leafs, who we know for years of, of sample size that we have, are a very good offensive team. They score a lot of goals. And like you said, they're number one in expected goals and all these different types of chances, and they're creating this great volume of quality offense, but they're 30th in goals. That differential between what they should be scoring based on everything they're doing and what they are scoring is the greatest of any team in the league. And why I love it so much at the start of the year is because everybody always freaks out, no matter what team it is, when you see these big gaps in the process and the results, and the same thing happens every year. The more you play, the more it moves back to the middle. So, of course, Toronto's going to score more goals. So last uh, last season, when they covered the all or nothing, uh, Sheldon made a point of talking about uh, we're not dirty enough for second chances, rebound goals. I think he he referred to their team as being one of the worst in the league. And mm-hmm. now I'm watching the first six games, and I don't see that part of the game improving. And where are those second chances? Tavares is a guy that I usually would lump into a, a a strong player within that six foot radius of the net. Redirects, rebounds, tip-ins, all of it. Th- that seems to be so dried up right now. Is there anything on top of the numbers that you see that they're they're just night and day from what the what we expected from them? Uh, it was interesting about the Sheldon Keefe comment in, in the documentary because the Leafs were at the start of the season last year, um, I think bottom five, bottom seven, something like that, in, in those rebound chances. And obviously the message got through to the players because if you go month by month last season, they got better and better and better, and they finished the season top ten um, in rebound goals. So, it seems like, you know, message given, message delivered there. This season, they lead the league in rebound chances. They have one goal off a rebound. It, it kind of ties into everything else where process-wise, the opportunities are there. They're creating them. They just aren't going in the net. And, you know, fans for sure, and, and media as well to an extent, focus heavily on results, um, which is okay. But what does get lost a little bit, and especially at the start of the season, is – what players and coaches focus a ton on in control is, you know, what are we doing? What are we generating? Their game has not been perfect, obviously, this season, despite the great, you know, and and I never form an opinion solely based on numbers. You miss too much if you do that. Despite the great 
analytics and expected goals and all these chances and all that. It's, it's not the be all end all. So I just think I'm not as far gone with this team. I think as a lot of people are, and remember I'm somebody who has picked their opponent to beat them in the playoffs for five straight years, because I think there are serious deficiencies with how the team plays, but I'm not going as far as some people are in saying, you know, someone needs to be traded or fired or it's a disaster. Hold on, hold Um, on, hold on, hold on. Let's go back to the deficiencies because Mm -hmm. that's what we've all been seeing for the last seven games, deficiencies. So if, if you're seeing deficiencies, if you're not picking them for that reason, then why not trade somebody? Maybe you should for the playoffs. Ultimately, like I'm not overreacting to what we're seeing in the regular season in seven games. Um, the playoffs, the thing that, that uh, I'm not sure if it's a roster thing. It, it seems to be a philosophical one where the team wants to have the puck. They want to play a possession game. You hear them talk about puck possession all the time. And the reality is you can't have the puck enough to build a team around that and, and to game plan solely around that or, or heavily around that because even the best teams in the league don't have the puck for two-thirds of the game. So that's uh, Mike, give me give me two deficiencies. I'm 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 really curious on your deficiencies because I we talked one that they're not uh, with Jim Ralph that they're not fast they're not fast looking mm-hmm. enough in the past. Mm-hmm. I see I see huge gaps between the forwards and the D. The neutral zone is like a red carpet for teams. I see turnovers mm-hmm. more than a Sara Lee Bakery for God's sakes. I mean, it's horrible, the turnovers. Tell me the deficiencies that you've seen that make you say, I ain't picking the Leafs in the playoffs. The over-reliance on puck possession that leads to turnovers that end up in the back of their net. That's the thing that sticks out to me. and is There it is. With these razor-thin margins, they've been in elimination games, winner-take-all, for what, four four straight years now, right? Yeah. Razor-thin margins. Um, And... You go back to the playoffs last year, eight of the nine goals they gave up at five on five came within 10 seconds of a turnover. That was by far the highest rate of any team in the playoffs. You go to this year, they lead the league in goals against within 10 seconds of a turnover. And I watch the goals and what you see oftentimes, think about um, Brian Boyle's goal against Pittsburgh, where Jason Spezza held onto the puck as he's going through the neutral zone, got stripped from behind. You see plays that they try to force into the middle of the ice because of course that's where you want to break out or turnovers at the offensive blue line between the dots, because of course that's where you want to enter the zone. These things are all true, but they force these things too often in my view. Um, And I think the best teams, the teams that have success in the playoffs are teams that understand from star player, number one, all the way down, we need to know how to give the puck up when we have to and how to get it back because we can't make these plays all the time. We're going to get burned. You got any data on coaches who have the wrong players on the ice after a goal? <laughs> Depends who the wrong players are, I guess. <laughs> the uh, I love that stat about their turnovers with their, sorry, goals against within 10 seconds of a turnover or whatever, because that seems to be like such an identifiable issue with this team. Do you think that's mm-hmm. personnel or is, is that coaching? Is that a strategy that they, they're trying to employ? I wouldn't know unless I talked to the people yeah. directly involved. It's impossible to know that, but I, I, we, we know how much Toronto values possession, right? They're always at the top of the league in puck possession, and they talk about it often enough. Um, I also think Sheldon Co- uh, Keith is a good enough coach 
that, that he understands that, well, some of these turnovers are happening because we're forcing things or we're hanging on too long. And um, how do you, I, I talked to an NHL coach about this last year and he brought up a great point. He, he talked about players when, when they kind of finally get it, you know, star offensive players, when it's not necessarily all about the points or the goals, um, but it's about winning and doing what we have to do to win as a team and how difficult it is to think it's like to go off and it's hard to control. And and you guys would both be able to speak to that with your playing experience. Um, So so, you you would rather see Austin Matthews score 40 goals than, than 60. It doesn't matter to me. Uh, (laughs) I think about Anze Kopitar and what somebody told me years ago that he could score a hundred points a year. No problem. He's that good. But he scores 75, and he's a Selkie Trophy candidate. Uh, you're playing um, so Kipper's music here yeah. today. Careful. No, no, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm a believer of that, too. I'd, I'd like to see, I, again, I, I look at uh, the Leafs down the middle, and, you know, once upon a time when Tavares signed with the Toronto Maple Leafs, people envisioned the best one-two punch in the NHL. Mm-hmm. Matthews and Tavares doesn't get much better than that. And, and we're far from them being the one-two punch that a lot of people envisioned. And Tavares is a guy, or uh, Tavares is a, is a point producer in the past. That's been his main production. But as far as true playmakers right now, I don't see a one-two punch through that middle. And I'd rather Matthews not go for 60 goals, to your point, and maybe even turn himself into a Kopitar. Uh, that's excellent for me to hear that. Yeah, I, I think Austin Matthews has such a com- the ability to have such a complete game that he could be a great, a really great defensive all around center for sure. I think that part of his game is there. Um, so I, I don't know what exactly you have to sacrifice in terms of offense uh, in order to get there, but he's the best goal scorer on the planet. He scored 41 last year with a bad wrist. He's coming off wrist surgery. Um, that first game back against the Rangers, he was unbelievable. He had 16 shot attempts. He was everywhere. And it's been a couple of slow games for the whole team. But, like, again, I, I think you think about Tavares. Well, he's not scoring a ton. Marner, he's not scoring a ton. We're seven games into a season. These guys have done it their entire careers in the regular season. You know, fair enough, I guess. But when when I look at the season, the, the first four games, they're 2-1-1. One, and one. Okay, that's fine. The, the Ranger game, they killed the Rangers. They got, they got beat by the best goaltending performance of the season. You play San Jose, you play okay. Hutchinson doesn't have a great game, you lose. Pittsburgh, you burn the tape, it's a write-off. That was a disaster. And then in Carolina, you play a team that's frankly better than you, and you play a pretty good game, and Jack Campbell doesn't have his best game, and you lose. If this happens in February, it's probably a bit of a blip. But mm-hmm. I think, again, just the, the reaction is because it's the start of the season. Yeah, the the blip, I totally agree with that. And I've tried to make that case too. But the the thing that's not a blip to me is the output of the Stars. And one of the, one of the reasons for their poor output is power play. Like they're just mm-hmm. getting nothing done on the power play. And I, I don't know if you have numbers nearby, but... You know, the process of the power play versus the results. I don't know if the process, the results are terrible. And I don't know if they create a lot of shot attempts or a lot of dangerous attempts. Has it been good despite the lack of output? Uh, or is it as bad as it looks in terms of raw goals scored? Yeah, Kipper's going to love this one. They're, uh, <laughs> they're sixth and expected goals, fellas. Uh, look, right. it, I know it, it's it's obvious watching it. It's it's 
missing the magic that it's had in the past, like early in last season. Yeah, exactly. And what I can tell you, they're they're getting the rebound looks. They're getting shots from the good areas. They're they're getting pucks there. Um, The the entries haven't been good. Uh, You know, fair enough. You want to pick that apart. Um, Mitch Marner being taken out of the bumper spot, I think, is the right decision. I don't know that it was the wrong one to put him in it. You try something different, that's fine. Um, but he's your best playmaker on the power play, and he was not getting the puck touches. And when he had them, he's not setting other teammates up in those dangerous areas because he's already kind of in it, and he'd skate himself out of it. So I don't think he was the best fit there ultimately um, because I also think to play in that bumper spot, you have to be a shooting threat. You think about Bergeron and Point and Oshie and the guys who do this so well there, it's because they're a dual threat. I don't know a lot of goalies that are afraid of Mitch Marner's shot. So I think that'll help moving him out of there. Um, but, you know, to some extension, it's kind of like the rest of the team in terms of offense where I'm not that down on the process, but eventually people don't really care about the process, as I heard yesterday very loudly <laughs> on Twitter. Sorry about that. Should have amplified yeah. you. And also, no, you and everybody else, don't worry. Yeah. And also they thought of that listening to you on our show a little bit. Yeah, Which is sure. okay, I because I, I buy some of the stuff that you're saying. Not all of it, but some of it. So that's a good thing. So far, we're two for two, Mike Kelly, on uh, on your hey, appearances on the show. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, thanks for joining us. We're going to follow up a little bit here off of uh, Mike Kelly's uh, comments. See, he thanks, does bring... Mike. He, thanks, Mike. He does bring up a good point, Justin, with uh, a double threat and maybe that's where Nylander can come in because we do know that he's, he's, got, a, he's got a good, good shot, a great oh, yeah. shot. He, yeah. can, he can fire the pill. Mm-hmm. I'm ju- I, I hope he's quick enough and fast enough to process in that, that position. Uh, but there, there might not be anybody who can truly play that bumper position for the Leafs, but he would be my next choice for sure. You know, we have... Uh... We should have Jim Ralph and Mike Kelly co-run the power play. Jim's idea to get someone in front of the net, like a screener. You know, Tavares is always kind of falling off the back door looking for a, a one-touch. And then, uh, yeah, get Marner back on the flank. We're, we're starting to build something here that looks like a power play. I like it. It's uh, it's not been good, so I like the ideas today. I kind of find it amusing that Mike Kelly can come on this show and tell us uh, – according to his analytics, how good the Leafs still are, according to the numbers. Mm-hmm. But I'd never pick them in the playoffs, and I haven't picked them all, you know, every, every round I've picked right that they'd lose in the first round. And I'm like... And to his credit, <laughs> like, I can I can back that up. He has he like, has picked against them. I think a lot of it... But, but the numbers support him picking them for winning, not against winning. Well, he... It's like, okay, well, which one is it, Mike? They're they're turning over the puck, I think he values a lot in terms of how it creates high danger chances against. And that's in playoffs with, as he mentioned, razor-thin margins. A team that turns a puck over a lot is, is, man, you're in big trouble. You need a lot of help from your goaltending. That is a trend with this team that has been the same for years, is turnovers leading to rushes against. One, one topic we haven't hit at all, and and I I just, uh, when I think about Mark Bergevin in Montreal calling a press conference four games in, I kind of rolled my eyes a little bit. 
little too soon for you? Yeah, a little bit too soon, and I think a little bit too uh, too self-centered in terms of a guy that wanted to remind people that is needs a new contract. Yeah, like I like that. Don't Angle. don't tell me for one second, Mark Bridgman's calling a press conference four games in if he still has two years or three years left on a deal. So that's good okay. Good use of the media. But I watched the Toronto Maple Leaf situation, and they've played six games, and I think it's still a little early. But how far are we away from maybe Brendan Shanahan making a cameo appearance somewhere to calm the waters? And I look at this organization, Justin, and I see nobody with any experience to handle a scenario like this. But he's the one guy in the organization right now who's seen and lived it all. So wouldn't be, you know, if, if this thing starts to snowball with a loss, say, against Chicago, that's where I say maybe it's not too early after seven games, a loss to Chicago tomorrow night would make me think Brendan needs Brendan Brendan's voice needs to be heard in some capacity. Yeah. What do you got, Sammy? You're shaking yes. your head. <laughs> well, like, but if he's no? gonna say, well, if he's gonna say something different than he's been saying for the last ten times that he's spoken, you know, I it's don't, just, I, don't, I, don't I thing. don't really get the last ten times. He's he's been. A, he hasn't been a guy that's really uh, made us feel like this is his team. I, I got to be honest with you. Like I, I competed against him in junior. I, I've known him a long time. I don't know him that well, but I know him well enough to think I understand his his mindset, his mentality, the type of hockey that he likes. I look at this Leaf team and it doesn't match. JB, it doesn't match. The guy that I watched and played and competed against and had conversations at times over beers and 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 his mindset and how he feels about hard hockey, fighting, standing up for your teammates, all of it doesn't match up with what I see on the ice. Maybe there's been an effort on his part to show people that he has reinvented himself as a a uh, cerebral, managerial, above it all sort of type. I mean, maybe this is a, a he wants to be associated more with the Kyle Dubas way of thinking and being willing to evolve and stay with See, the game and stay in the game. Now you're on to something. Because I look at Brendan Shanahan, I look at Kyle Dubas, and I look at the Toronto Maple Leafs on the ice, and I go, Brendan, this isn't your team. It's Kyle's team. Well, but he, it is. It's Kyle's team. It is Kyle's team. But he's the GM. He picked the players. That's not Brendan's role, right? That's 100%. But there's going to have to be a point now where Brendan goes, you picked the wrong guys. Yeah. You know what Dubas loves to say? Uh, do whatever you want as long as it works. I think it's from okay. like a. And, and when, do we a, get, a book. when do we get to the part where, where it works? works. You used to say that to us as the coaching staff. Yeah. yeah, you can have five forwards in the power play. Go ahead, as long as it works. And when it doesn't work, what are you going to do about it? Because I think that we're, we're in that kind of scope here in the next 
week, 10 days. And I, I, I went on record the, uh, yesterday. I, I don't think he's going anywhere. I don't think Kyle Dubas is going anywhere. And I don't really they think... They got to see this through now. I, I don't really think uh, Sheldon's going anywhere. But what happens if this week turns into next week and then the, the week after that... If it becomes that, clear they're going to miss the playoffs, the conversation changes. No, and that can well, happen as soon as December. It could happen in two weeks. You're you're not wrong if they're two and eight or something. I mean, I buy into the American Thanksgiving. What are we? Twenty games in? What's that? November fifteenth, nineteenth, something like that. Right. I, I think that's a a pretty close. That's usually been like the sort of standard yes. for teams that are struggling when you're going to make changes or not. And, and usually American. Thanksgiving, I, I don't yeah. know. I'm. I I don't know the exact number, but the percentage of teams on the outside looking in by American Thanksgiving is what, 75%, 80% miss the playoffs? Is it that high? Oh, yeah. I think it's it's really high. Elliot has that stat that like teams that are four points out of playoffs as of November 1st, like miss the playoffs with like an astonishing rate, like, you know, 80% or I don't know what it is offhand, but it's very high is the point. So... I just think at some point Brendan's going to have to come in a little bit here because I just don't see how it helps. No, it's Brendan. He's a Hall of Famer. He scored 600 goals, yada, yada, yada. He's been there and he's been through stuff like this before. I I think at at times I look at Sheldon and he could probably use some help here. And I don't think Kyle has the experience because he's never gone through this before. Mm-hmm. So it's Brendan's left. He's the only real, per se, NHL hockey guy in that organization right now. I don't see anybody else. Because Paul McLean exists on the staff. We never see or hear from him, and never. he's not important enough. No, 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 no. It's clear he had. With... He said one thing during all or nothing. Might have been the the best Everything quote. he says is the best quote. Right? Yeah. I mean, some, at some point, people are going to keep bringing up. If they keep losing, they're, they're going to be bringing up the demons are in the closet. They're under the bed. They're yeah. under the car. <laughs> it's like If we could use all but, or nothing quotes from Amazon, boy, would we run that one. That but, would be the number one. <laughs> but I, I, I think Brendan would have to probably come in a little bit here. But Here's the thing. Brendan is so measured and smart. He says this. he's not going to come out and say anything except I support the team. I believe in what they've built. That might I believe be enough. We'll turn it around. It, just, it might. It might be enough. Might be enough. Yeah. It's. Not, I guess it's not for me. I think it'll. I think it could just back off the temperature mm-hmm. too. It could. It could lower the the temperature in in social media in in the media. It can. It has worked in the past, JB. Yeah. Yeah, everyone talks about those guys, you know, Brian Burke being notorious for coming out and taking the heat off the team, right? And putting himself in front of the uh, the media scrutiny. I don't know, the media thing is frustrating for me right now with, with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Like, it feels like a lot of it is, I don't know, as I mentioned, they seem to be between committed to giving the media access and not, and half in the Lou era, era and half in the Kyle era. Yeah. You know, like yeah. you said, like, Sometimes it feels like Sheldon's out on an island a little bit. Who else is going to speak? I don't know. I just want 
I want more. Paul McLean, I'm told, is having uh, hip surgery. He's not around, I think. So we wish him all the best with that. It isn't a young group, right? Manny Maholtra, Spencer Carberry. Kipper's boy, Carberry. No, listen. Think about this for a second. Here's a guy that is thrust into this market, never experienced anything in the National Hockey League. Like, think about the guy and the pressure he's on. I said it. I, I kind of feel a little bit for Sheldon because he's he's searching right now to say the right things to his team and the right message. And it's clear he feels like my group needs more of a hug than they do telling them that, uh, you know, they're horrible or they're getting outplayed or outworked or whatever. Right. Here's a guy who's been handed the keys, JV, to a $50 million power play. Just driving it into lampposts out there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't know about lampposts. I was just thinking maybe a small pothole or (laughs) something. Yeah. Maybe it was exaggerating. I don't know, the 13% or something. But, and, and, and win now. I need a great power play now so I can win the Stanley Cup in this market for the first time in 54 years. So come on, Spencer. Yeah. So, like, how, how is Spencer? Sleeping at night right now with the deficiencies of that power play and what they're getting paid. Tell me how he's handling it right now because I I feel for him right now. Do you take any solace, though, in the fact that the Leafs aren't the only team that is supposed to be good and has expectations that are failing? As you're talking, I'm looking at the bottom of the standings, and at the bottom of the standings is Las Vegas, Colorado, Tampa Bay Lightning – have led, this is the last tweet I saw, I think this is still true, have led for zero seconds this year. They have two wins, which means they were in tied games that went to overtime or a shootout, and I think they won in those situations. But they have led for zero seconds of of hockey. So, you know, we're talking about the, the power play. We're talking about Toronto. But it's early in the year, and good teams have slow starts. And Does that make yeah. you feel any better if you're a Leafs fan? I think there's a ton of pressure in Vegas internally maybe they're still in love with the fact that they got a team they're outside mis- of that patcheretti and stone and for stone there, there'd be a lot of pressure within with george mcphee and one and four kelly mccrimmon for sure tampa bay if they don't have alcohol still in their bloodstream <laughs> from that parade yeah. the boat parade just crushing the little buddha something's wrong yeah so I don't know your LCBO. No, nobody, nobody, there, there's no concern there, uh, in all honesty. The, you know, two okay. cups later. You okay. think there's a ton of pressure on them right now? Please. How about Colorado? Two and three out of the gates. I would think that uh, they're also dealing with, you know, just settling their lineup still. And uh, a goaltender the, who they, they have a, a lot of. Yeah, uh, McKinnon, I think, missed a game, I think. Um but he was asymptomatic. So but I, I I think they're sorting out. I just I, I I think in terms of true pressure at at this level is unheard of anywhere else but Toronto. Yeah. So I'm looking at the flip side of that. I'm looking at the top of the standings here, Kip and Barney. And so in the top ten teams in the NHL right now, it includes Minnesota, 
Pittsburgh, San Jose, Rangers, Buffalo, Edmonton, St. Louis. Any of those teams that are kind of surprising in there that you think will stay there? Or? All of them. Buffalo. <laughs> Buffalo? How, no. House money right now. Yeah. I, this is it's truly stunning. The standings are essentially inverted They're from flipped. expectations. They're flipped. It, it is really bizarre outside of like Carolina. We thought Florida would be good, but boy, that is a lot of rough teams in the top of the standings. So I do think that some of this should be a little bit of comfort if you're a Leafs fan. Like things start weird. Things go through weird stretches. This is the first time teams are back to normal full seasons in a couple of years. It's going to take... 82 games, it's going to take a little while for things to kind of shake out and look like expectations here. They tr- truly say that you don't know what you have until you've played the first 20 games in the NHL. So I think that's where you probably think that uh, that Kyle and Sheldon should be okay if they can kind of keep in the mix. But I think an- another week of this and it may really give us a true indication that they will be one of those teams with many that are just in a dogfight to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. What appeared to many as a lock to make the playoffs going into the regular season, all of a sudden, maybe we've seen enough to say, I, I don't see this team running away with a playoff spot. And that interests me. So they've done it for the past however many years, for the exception with the bubble year, which I don't really count or whatever, that they've been kind of, you know, signed, sealed, delivered for a playoff spot for a lot of the season, I guess for the exception for Matthew's rookie year. But the two years against Boston where they were, you know, in in that position for a lot of the year. Last year, obviously, there was no debate that they were going to make the playoffs. Is there a potential, you know, that they're battling down the stretch here? You know how you always talk about those teams that play playoff hockey for the last three weeks of the season heading into the year. Like, is there a chance that that can benefit the Leafs? Like, it's a different perspective of looking at the playoffs going into it? Like, mm-hmm. do you think that could be good for them, boys? The answer is it's a different approach, but yes, it could be. Could be in a a, a feel of must-win, sense of urgency that gets you ready for your first round. But I will say in past years, I looked at their lineup and said, if that lineup is healthy and going, they can hang with anyone. I don't feel that about this Leafs group right now. And I, today, the thing that stands out from this show more than anything else is Jim Ralph saying that they don't look fast. Like that's stuck in my brain because I, I guess I kind of felt it and hadn't cognitively just like directly aimed my brain at that. And I do think it's true. And that's limiting. If you want to be an offensive team that isn't fast. Boy, it's going to be an uphill slog in and, a tough division. And Kelly, talk about the turnovers. That is, they turn the puck over so much and so flippantly. That that is JB. Like n- now that you've brought that up, that is the num that is the number one identity that is missing. Right? Is that that speed that they've had in the past? Not sure how that changes either. You know, like Amadio's not going to come in and change that. Nick Robertson's, you know, maybe by playoffs. Is he a guy in this roster? I don't know. We can't even have that conversation yet. It's just tough to see where that comes from. So if you're going to be not fast and not overly physical, there's some teams going, yeah, we'll play them in the playoffs. Let's go. 
how many games on tonight? One, two, three, four, seven, including Montreal and Seattle. Did you catch the uh, the opening in Seattle? Yeah. There's a lot of energy coming out of that building, and it looks spectacular. Yeah. It really does. I love everything from a branding perspective. I, I wish them well. Love the fans. Arena looks awesome. Team sucks. Team's not good. They stink. Yeah. One, four, and one, playing one and five tonight with the Montreal Canadiens. You're calling that? Canadians win? No, I'll take Seattle. I got some money on Montreal. You do? Well, plus one and a half, actually. I took took some took some goals. Two in a row. Calgary, three, one, and one. Play New Jersey at three and one. Pittsburgh, no Sidney Crosby, I'm told, against Tampa Bay tonight. And not sure for the rest of the week. It's one of those scenarios where he's just going to have to go to Brian Burke or Ron Hextall, I'm saying. Okay, I'm ready. Let's go. Yeah, I agreed. I think Tampa's going to get one. They're going to get back on track here. Because you are Sidney Crosby and you've got that clout. All right, our thanks today to Frank Saravelli, Jim Ralph, Mike Kelly, course Derek and Sammy JB you good today all good buddy looking forward to another right. Leafs game tomorrow we'll night. be back tomorrow to tee up Chicago and the Leafs real kipper and born thanks for joining us everybody and hey by the way make sure wherever you get your podcasts do a rate and review for our show thanks